Welcome back to the Big Sports Breakfast this Monday, March 13, and we're certainly tracking Minwoo Lee there in the Players' Championship this morning in the golf, and it didn't start well uh, for the Aussie because he triple bogey. Well, he birdied the first, so it did start well, but then he got to the fourth and he made triple bogey after he hit it in the water on his approach. Since then, he's uh, had a birdie at seven and then a bogey at eight. So for the day, he is two over par and he is now five shots off the pace. Scotty Scheffler chipped in uh, on the eighth. So he's now three strokes clear of Terrell Hatton, the Englishman. Uh, Cam Davis uh, also started the day at 10 under par and he's back to 10 under after he... Uh, bogeyed the third and the fifth, but he's birdied seven and eight. So as it stands, Davis and Lee, five shots behind Scotty Scheffler there in the Players' Championship. Yesterday, uh, the West Tigers were beaten by Newcastle 14-12. to Gutsy win from the Knights. The Dragons 32-18 to over the Titans. Uh, now we've got Phil Buzz Rothfield coming up shortly. I just want to get through some of these Tigers texts because there's a million of them. Um, just on the Tigers, imagine this, if this was Match, he'd be getting slaughtered and he had a much inferior roster to this one, says Ray from Rabina. Boys, all this hype into Sheens and Marshall coaching, fair dinkum. They can't go and play for them. They put the systems in place. The cattle is just ordinary. Coruscant uh, is slower than Clemmer, says Adam at Camden. Villain Tigers, Heroes, Dolphins. Uh, no name to that one. Brett from Richmond here. Has any player gone from two premierships to Wooden Spoon? No uh, name to that one, but you're clearly talking about Appy Coruscant. Uh, I think I'm pretty safe to say the Tigers attacking football yesterday was the worst I've seen in the last years, the last 10 years of NRL. Not sure what Benji is doing with these guys at training, says the critic. And there's a million of them. Tigers Wooden Spoon again. Sheens is too, too old school. Benji and Farah have no idea. Tigers don't know how to play footy. This is what they don't have. Urgency, intensity, fitness, football smarts, building pressure, ruck or line speed. Fans are over it. Regards, Kit. Honestly, there's 25 more. That's nice comments. They're some of the nicer comments. (laughs) It's round two. I love Kit. Yeah, they were ordinary. Yeah, we played ordinary, but just... Tim Sheens can't be hopeless. Benji Marshall can't be hopeless. Robbie Farrah can't be hopeless. Sometimes you, you can only coach the stock you got. Yeah, right? a hundred percent. But mate, they were making just yeah, schoolboy errors, and they best. were rushing their plays. Oh, mate, and no oh, don't worry. I was... know oh, I'm short of TV in my bed in my lounge room. Mate, no one was going, boys. Come it's here, horrendous. come here for one minute. Just come in. You know what? For the next four sets, we're just completing. I don't care. I don't care if we're going to run one out. We're just completing and building our way into the game. All right, now go back out in your positions and let's start again. Okay, so if that that is, let's say, basic under-12s leadership. Yes. Our seven, our six, and our one. Mm. Our number nine's been there for 10 seconds, and we've seen how good a player he is. And I reckon, if anything, yesterday, Appy was trying to do everything. Because he felt like whatever we do is not working. So he probably over-tried or over-played his hand. Yep. But w- what's going on with our seven, six, and one? Your one's unreliable. I think there's a couple there that are unreliable. Yeah, he's not the only one. The seven's unreliable. Yeah. 
Like that's like that. It just it, yeah. I, I, is I just Dewey I, a number six. I, I, you, I see, would, you see a number yeah, six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you he think is. he is. I think Dewey could play six. He could play seven. No, not seven. Uh, in, in the, the centres. Um, but I, I, I just thought yesterday it was just time for someone to just go, boys, come in, come in. Stop the clock. <laughs> just oh, come here. Grab the oranges. Yeah, yeah, bring yeah, the sponge. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> just say, boys, I don't care what we do <laughs> yeah. in the next don't 10 pass. minutes. Don't pass. Don't pass. pass. Just, just get to our kick. Yeah. And we'll build our way back from that. Right. Just something like that they needed <laughs> to do or someone to have that conversation. We've got to get to our kick too because yeah. Buzz is coming up. Get the game you want when you want. This NRL season on KO, 120 NRL games exclusive to Fox League, available on KO. New to KO, start your free trial. Morning, Buzz. Yeah, good morning, guys. So before we get to the coaching staff and the West Tigers' performance, I want to talk about what I thought was just disgraceful sportsmanship there at full time. Jackson Hastings had just done an interview with Fox Sports. Hmm. He did the right thing. Look, he clipped Tommy Talao high early in the game and Talao went off, but he went over there, as footballers do after a game, to shake hands, to apologise for the incident and then to be met with that reaction from the West Tigers players was a, mm. was wrong. David Clemmer, even involving himself in it, former Knights player, you know what? I looked at his stats. He only ran 81 metres. He almost went further to find Jackson Hastings. He was completely outplayed by the Knights pack. A terrible, terrible look, I thought, um, you know, to, to, to behave like that after a football game. Do we Having know, to be separated by yeah. a bloody security guard. Do we know whether anything else uh, occurred during the game, Buzz, that led to that? No, I don't, Laurie, no? but, I, but I don't care what else happened after a game. What you do, as you know, and you've seen so many times in your career, you shake hands at the end of a football game. And there are some incidents that happen on a rugby league field that stay on a rugby league field. I just thought this was a real... The security guard had to separate them. Mm. Yeah, no, that's not now, a good look. Now, will anything come of this, though, mate? I, I don't think so. I, I don't think so. There was no punches thrown. There was just a lot of sledging and a little bit of pushing. But, look, the story out of yesterday was the coaching debacle at the West Tigers. And you defended Tim Sheen's Laurie last year when I raised the fact he was 72 years of age. He'd been out of the game in England for 10 years and lost two jobs while he was coaching over there. Yep. And, and uh, I continue to defend him. Yeah, well, I, I hope you do. You know, you, you played football and you won premierships under him. And I expect you to defend him. But you saw the way they played yesterday was just terrible. The Benji, Robbie, Tim Sheen's coaching trifecta is not working. They were dreadful yesterday. Tim Sheens had an opportunity at the end of last season to offload Luke Brooks. Mm. He is soaking up a million dollars of their salary cap. You saw the way he played yesterday. Mm. You saw the way he played. Now, why was that decision made to keep him? Well, obviously, they thought they could get the best out in him. Uh, I was well, disapp- they can't. Well, I was disappointed in their performance yesterday, as I was in round one, and they need to improve and improve quickly because what I saw from them yesterday, I saw a team that were just making mistakes after mistakes. They were rushing their plays. They had uh, no one in their team to be able to calm everyone down, give them good guidance, and just sort of take the lead of this is what we're going to do. Mm. Uh, they just were 
a team that looked frustrated. They were a team that played, tried to play way above their ability at this stage. Um, mm. But uh, you know, so I've got every every tra- yeah, but I've got every faith and confidence that they can get it right over well, the long term. But in the short term. I just think that they lacked that leadership yesterday out there on the field just to have that conversation about, boys, bring it in. Hey, we're trying to rush our plays here. Things aren't going well. We need to build our way back into this game. We're not going to win this contest by just using the ball at every opportunity and forcing our plays. Let's calm down, make better choices. Seven and six, you take more control of the game. And and if you do that, we might give ourselves a chance. Buzz... How many coaches do we have to go through, though? That, that's my only concern. Like, I oh, look, yeah, our first two rounds have been horrible. Don't get me wrong. And against two teams that I think all of the fans, Tigers fans, we we certainly expect one out of two victories, not zero from two, the start of this season, who we've played against. But yep, how many exactly. coaches do we go? Uh, who, tell me who the right coach is. Like, how many coaches have to be sacked for us to go, actually, it mightn't be the coaches. It might be the players. Well, look. Clarky and, and I don't want to bag Tim Sheen's heavy, but I did say last year that I did have a concern that he'd been out of the game for so long. And the premiership was 2005. What's that, 18 years ago? Yeah. Is it that long ago? So, and Benji and Robbie are untried NRL coaches. And I know they're supposed to be an apprenticeship here and I know they're planning and, you know, that you know they're not going to be anywhere near a premiership for two or three years if they continue to recruit well. But you've got to weigh up everything that happened yesterday. Callum Ponga went off very, very early in the game. Newcastle's best player by 10 lengths. Then they lost their hooker, Braley. And the cruel thing is that we're getting stuck into the West Tigers here and we're not giving Newcastle any credit for a wonderful, wonderful performance. And I know Barry, he's been around 40 years in Newcastle covering that football side. He said on Twitter last night it was as brave and as courageous as any performance he's ever seen from a Newcastle Knights um, football side. And the Ponga story is so unfortunate. It really is. He had three knockouts last year in six weeks. Now he's had a he had the scare the week before when he was controversially replaced against the Warriors. Now he's off again. He's and you've got to start worrying about his future. Oh, we, well, we do, Buzz. Obviously, he won't play uh, next weekend. I would assume no. they'll, they'll they'll stand him down, but. You talk about his long-term future, and I know he played fullback last year, and that's where he's played, and he still suffered concussions. But do you think the fact that he was knocked out, it may force Newcastle to reconsider playing him in the front line? Oh, it's obvious. I think they're going to have to look at all options, but where do you play him? As you said, he got knocked out mm. three times in six weeks at fullback. And look, when you play NRL football, as you well know, you're always going to be putting yourself in a position where you are going to suffer head injuries. It's a tough, tough game. And I've said to you many times before, the athletes are getting bigger, stronger, faster, and the impact of these collisions are far more severe than they were 30 years ago. And this is an ongoing problem. But poor old Kalen, um, he's, you know, he gave up the World Cup to get himself right over the off-season and you can't take anything away from his commitment. He's been training the joint down in Newcastle, and it's just a horrible sign for the game to see a, a, a superstar mm. like him continually have these problems. 
Well, Friday night, Roosters and the Bunnies. And you wrote in the Telegraph buzz that uh, Nathan Brown's headed to Bondi Junction from Parramatta. Yeah, it set Gordon Tallis off. Did you guys see his comments over the weekend, having another whack at the Roosters over the salary cap? Yeah. Look, they're already a third of the way through the pay cycle. The pay cycle starts in October each year. So they're paying two-thirds of his Parramatta contract, but the Eels are paying half of that. So it's not an expensive signing for one year. I think the Roosters have shown they desperately need some... Um, you know, some extra warmth in the middle. Matt Lodge is out for another five, six weeks. Jared Wera-Hargreaves hasn't played any football at all. Victor Radley's been missed last week's game. Brandon Smith, who you can regard as a hooker or middle forward, um, he's not playing anywhere near the way we know he can play. So, look, I think it's a pretty good signing. I, I really do. And um, he's a cheapie and... Uh, I'm not sure if he'll play against South this weekend. He's got to get in there and learn the calls and the structure of the football side. But the Roosters aren't playing great, are they? And Look, I wrote about the James Tedesco-Joseph Suolihi situation today. They're both off contract the end of next year. They both want the full-back jersey. And it was, you know, there was there was a big incident in that game yesterday. Did you guys see it uh, on uh, Saturday when Suwali made the break down the left side of... Um, Luke Keary, he had Tedesco unmarked inside him and didn't pass to him. And that just gets tongues wagging, um, you know, plays like that. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Buzz, yes, Clarky. You think Suwali didn't pass to Tedesco or Tedesco no, no, didn't no, pass no, to him? Clarkie. Hang no, on a second, no. because what? Because they both want the fullback position, so they're, no, not, Clarkie, they're not happy Clarkie, with each other. You're not reading. Have you read McCollum? No, I haven't. I haven't oh, read McCollum. Sure? You know, did you watch the game? I watched parts of it. Yeah, I'm just asking. Oh, oh, you watched parts of it. Yes. So please, right. let, what, are, what are you saying here? Well, you're challenging me, so I'll challenge you whether you've actually read the column. No, I haven't. The, no, no, I haven't. Maybe you should before you try and Hang on a second. On don't, don't, because I clearly don't. said in the column, Clarkie, what did you that say? Joseph Suwali is not a selfish player. Okay. I also said in the column that a greatest player as he is, he's going to make a thousand mistakes over the next 10 years. Okay. So you're, you're actually a, answering my question. Yeah, I just said there was a perception this happened that it could have been regarded as selfish. And it was coincidental with the debate over the two players both wanting the jersey. Okay. Joseph made a mistake on okay. the football field. Uh, then you, you answered my question because I don't think these two players have a selfish bone in their body. Well, I don't think they would do that at all. I don't think that would ever be the case. They've got lots of ambition, well, though, that's for sure. Yeah, no doubt. No, I, 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 think, I think you're spot on that. Both love to play. Well, Tedesco is, you know, number one for New South Wales and Australia. And, and, I, and this young kid, of course, would love to play fullback at some stage. But I don't think either of those players have a selfish bone in their body, would do that on a full Well, field. I'd rather put it down to inexperience, but it was just the fact that this mm-hmm. debate had been going on. And. Look, Joseph does want to play fullback. He's desperate to play fullback. We saw how good he was for Samoa in the World Cup at fullback. And well, what are they going to I'm do not... then, Buzz? Look, because Sawali, if he wants to play fullback, he's not going to play fullback while ever Tedesco's there. How old is Tedesco now? 30? 29? Well, I think he's, he's 32 when he's off contract. Sawali, okay. he's 21. Yeah. So he's still got a few more years in him, Tedesco. 
when he's off contract. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What I what I wrote this morning and mentioned on three sixty last week that this might be the Roosters Adam Reynolds moment, mm. where Reynolds was basically because of his age and the fact there was salary cap pressure and there were kids coming through, they very, very reluctantly wouldn't give him an extension um, to what he was looking for, two or three years. And I'm not saying this is going to happen with Tedesco, but I think... brave call if that happened. Exactly, because, look, I don't know if he's the best player in the game, with Cleary and Munster and those sort of, but he's certainly in the top three. Now, the big story in the News Corp papers about expansion over the weekend and how uh, Peter Volandis uh, says the ambition over potentially the next decade is for the, to be a 20-team NRL competition. Uh, I see in uh, today's Telegraph, you're in the, uh, I guess, on the pro side of the argument and the great Dean Bulldog Richie on the, well, the negative side of the argument, Buzz. But uh, So you're very much in agreement that we should have a 20-team competition. Well, yeah, I am, and it's unlike us, me and Bulldog, to be disagreeing. Um, Look, I'll say this, that I can see the benefits, and I'm not just judging it on the Dolphins' two victories. I can see the financial benefits, and a couple of Sundays ago, I wrote that the AFL's revenue was $250 million a year superior to the NRL's, and that's because... They've got a much better TV deal. The reason they have a much better TV deal is they have more content. They have an extra game each week. They get more sponsorship from having a true national competition. Two teams in Perth, Adelaide, Sydney and southeast Queensland. And for the NRL to increase revenue long term, we're not going to get rid of any Sydney clubs. We're not going to spread the game that way. I think we've got to look at more areas. And the Perth Bears... The Pacifica team out of Cairns, Ipswich is still a great area in southeast Queensland. I, I, I think we've got to at least consider it, investigate it, do our feasibility studies, and don't write it off straight away. Have to leave it there, mate. Thanks as always. Good on you guys. Cheers now. Bye. Uh, Scotty Scheffler over there at the Players Championship, leading by four. Uh, he's 16 under for the tournament and he's two under through 10 holes in his final round. Terrell Hatton uh, in the clubhouse after shooting a seven under 65 to finish 12 under for the tournament, four shots off the pace. But uh, gee, it's Scheffler's to lose now, let's face it, because uh, Victor Hovland's in the clubhouse after shooting a four under 68 at 10 under. Uh, Sung Im, Cam Davis, Minwoo Lee also at 10 under. And out on the course, Minwoo, who started two shots off the pace at the start of the day, is so far two over through 10 holes. Uh, Cam Davis is even through 11. So the Aussies amongst the chasing back there. But Scheffler on his way to victory, barring a debacle in the back nine there. Uh, Now, also today over at Indian Wells, Carlos Alcaraz, the top seed, has beaten Tanasi Kokonakis, 6-3, 6-3. The Aussie went down. We've got Mossy coming on, on uh, in about half an hour's time yesterday in the A-League. And his multi's still alive, I was just told, by the way. He's got uh, the last leg of his multi from Friday. He needs Melbourne victory to beat Western United tonight. But yesterday, Wellington Phoenix beat Sydney FC 1-0.
Uh, Melbourne City beat Brisbane Raw 2-1. And on Saturday, Central Coast beat MacArthur 4-1. Adelaide United went to Newcastle and won 4-2. And on Friday night, uh, the Wanderers lost over in the West 1-0 against Perth Glory. The Wanderers went down in the Premier League overnight. It was Arsenal going to Craven Cottage and beating Fulham 3-0. Manchester United and Southampton finished scoreless. West Ham and Aston Villa was 1-1. And Newcastle, 2-1. Newcastle beating Wolves overnight. But uh, yesterday in the NBL, it was a win for the Breakers, 80-70 against the Sydney Kings, which means it is all or nothing. uh, Wednesday night, sorry. Wednesday night, game five. Do or die, decider for the NBL Championship, Kudos Bank Arena, Wednesday night. Tickets $25 for adults, $70 for families. Available now. Uh, This is just a must-make game, must-win game for the Kings. And joining us now is, uh, well, their owner, Paul Smith. Joining us, Paul, a very good morning to you. How are you? Good morning. I'm well. You know, I've had better days. Well, we are in New Zealand. We pack up and get going again, don't we? Take us through the emotional wave of well, not only this series but the playoffs. I mean, taking the three games by the Taipans as well. Yeah, I know. Look, it's um, I was just reflecting a little while ago with someone that who'd have thought that we'd be sitting here, you know, going into a game five of a grand final series, and we were, we went full three games in the semi final series, and it was it was. Everything was on the line in game three against the Kansas Taipans, and here we are. You know, um, Chris Pongrass, our CEO, said last night the two best words in the NBL are game five. You know, this is it. This is what we're about. And, you know, it's all on the line. It's, there's, there's everything that took place in this series. There's been some little chit-chat here and there. There's been some talking media and so on and so forth. And all, all counts for nothing come Wednesday night. Paul, maybe I'm better off asking this question after game five, but Surely somewhere in you, you have to acknowledge that this is unbelievable for the NBL. Oh, it is. It is. It's unbelievable for, well, it's unbelievable for the sport of basketball, yeah. I think. Well, it's, it's just an extraordinary set of circumstances. Yeah. And of course, you know, I think that the, the tip for us was Friday night, Kios Bank Arena, 18,049 people, Amazing. first sellout ever. You know, I think we've sort of, we've broken through territory. We never thought we'd break through in the, in the next four or five years, you know, so... Everything's coming at us so quickly, but it just, again, highlights, you know, the growth of the game at a at, at community and grassroots level, and all that's feeding into interest in the, at the elite level and in what we're doing with the Sydney Kings. So it's, it's, we're very grateful for it. It's an extraordinary circumstance, and we just want to build upon it. And with a win, that's what we've got to do. Mm. Well, you get the opportunity on Wednesday night to, to seal it, Paul, but in Game 4 yesterday, what did you make of your team's performance? Oh, look, I think... I think they were look. Breakers played great. Let's let's give credit here. You know, this is not this is not they're not first and foremost. You acknowledge their performance. They you know they they were they we we smashed in the mouth last Sunday over here, and then you know we we uh, you know we were all set for a you know closing out last night. But they really put in a terrific performance. You know, their defense was extraordinary and they disruptive, and they look it was very physical. There's no doubt about that. And there's there'll be a lot of chat about that in the next 24 hours. Of, all that unfolds, but you know it is what it is, and and look, the reality is we just didn't we didn't perform on the offensive end. You know we just did not get our shots. You know our, our percentage from the field was poor. 
Um, I last time I looked, referees don't take our shots for us. We take our shots and, you know, we didn't execute. So, you know, uh, I think from our perspective is that, you know, we can identify, you know, where we, where we didn't perform and, and all those things are, are addressable and, and will be addressed. And, you know, but it's a, it's a pretty tight turnaround. We get home today and, and then uh, and tomorrow's a, coming in for a video and shoot, shoot around and things like that. But, you know, basically get ready again, but it's going to be, you know, there's a lot to do, and uh, but last night was it was an unbelievable atmosphere. I give you know again credit to Spark Arena and the and the the breakers. You know, there was over nine thousand there, record crowd for them. I, honestly, when I went back after the game, my ears were ringing. It was that loud in there. It was crazy. It was uh, and it was great. It was just mate, it's beautiful. It's what sports about. It really is. And, and Paul, to what extent do you get the feeling that the players are just holding on physically and emotionally after? Uh, you know, a lot of them trying to repeat as well after everything they went through last season. Yeah, I think there's a bit of that on both sides of the equation. Look, I can't speak for for their for the, for the situation in their in their place, but both teams, I'm sure, in a five game series, particularly with international travel factored in, it does start to wear you down. It is a, it's a war of attrition, you know. Um, and look, we started this series dinged up with a few injuries, of course, with with Cookie and um, with uh, Derek Walton. But you know, it's um, yeah, they've sort of come good, and I think in that regard, I think we're, we're leveling out a little bit. But it's, there's, there's a there is a fatigue factor and stress factor, and, and it's playing on everyone. I'm sure it's playing on the refs, it's playing on the players and coaches. You know, it's a pressure cooker. It's, it doesn't get any any bigger than this in terms of the NBL. Mm. I'm sure that's your your main focus, Paul. But I have to ask you about Xavier Cooks and the signing to go over there in the NBA to play with the Wizards. How proud does that make you feel? As the owner of the Kings, that you know, in the last five years, you've had five players play with the club that's gone on and gone over there to play in the, the NBA. It says a lot about your organisation. Well, thanks, Laurie. And, and it's a bit surreal, really, when you reflect on that sort of statistic. But focusing on, on Xavier, you know, look, I've said previously in, in other forums that, you know, the guy's just a first-class person. He comes from a great family and, you know, and he... He's, he's a terrific athlete, and we've always held out the hope that he'd make it to the NBA. As much as that, you know that 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 has an impact on us as a club here in Australia. But you know the pride we're all going to take. I think everybody in Australia can take in, in the fact that he's going over there in the ter- on the terms that he's going over there under, and the fact that he's going to have this opportunity to establish himself in the, in, the, in clearly the best league in the world. It's an unbelievable opportunity for a kid from Wollongong who you know. Came to Sydney. This is our fourth season together. Um, you know, I consider him a good friend, and but you know, more than anything, I'm just I'm just very very privileged to have been at, at first hand to watch his career blossom as it has. So it's an extraordinary thing, and you know, we're just so proud of him. And it's and any sense that it's a distraction to the club during this period just is not the case at all. You know, Zay's an incredibly humble guy. And he wants nothing more than to win. He wants nothing more to win for the Sydney Kings and go out a, a back-to-back champion. And we're all aligned with that. So, you know, there's been a bit of chit-chat about the distraction or he's going to take his foot off the gas and all those sorts of things. It's, it's borderline offensive, some of that stuff that people say. The passion that comes out of that guy, it runs through the entire club, you know. So it's an amazing thing that he's done and, and we're so proud for him. Friday night, Paul, you had the record crowd there at Kudos Bank Arena, record NBL crowd. Now, (laughs) probably hard for you to probably make this opinion objectively, but where do you think the NBL fits in the Australian sporting landscape now? Oh, look, I think it's... 
Look, I think there's a there's a there's an upper tier, there's an echelon of sports, and you know you have to put well, not have to, you obviously put AFL, NRL, mm. uh, cricket, logically in that sort of category. Um, it's probably a place rugby used to exist. It's not there now. I think we'd all agree. I think any any objective assessment of that would would, would prove that to be correct. But I think there's that there's that next tier down, and um, and I think I think the NBL has firmly established itself as as relevant and and has a as a has a real place in that next level next next level of sports and look to make that step up into that big three is is pretty big and I I think in to be honest about it and be objective I think that's a that's a that's a very very big step for for any sport to get up that level and it's unlikely the NBL will ever reach that and I think that the NBL what it's doing now is is entrenching itself in that in that position where it's the it's becoming a, you know, it's almost like the old notion. You know, who's your second team? You know, I think, I think everyone sort of. I think there's a, a lot of, um, uh, how would you put it? A lot of permission for the NBL to be relevant. I think a lot of people take a, take an interest in the game. Um, now, that might be not be their first sport. It might be their not be their primary passion. But, but that said, there's a lot of people that are absolutely buying into it, and you know, we're seeing that through the doors, and we're seeing that through TV ratings. You know. Um, the numbers are are incredible right now compared to where they used to be two or three years ago. And I think that's the trend that you got to look at when you look at these things. And you know, and honestly, a lot of sports are flattening or you know they're, they're declining slightly. But that's that's the nature of television in that regard in regards to ratings. But the NBL is on a as a very much a rising star, so it's it's really strong. No doubt it's ascending, and uh, hopefully the Kings are ascending to another title Wednesday night. Enjoy, Paul, and uh, thanks for your time as always. All right, all the best. Thanks a lot. Good Be luck, soon. Paul. Thank you. Well, and uh, for that game with Tab, the Kings are a dollar forty-two. The break is two dollars eighty. The line is five and a half. Kings the minus. How good? All or nothing. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Oh. Well, this is where we, we spoke a lot about that the ten-day break that the teams had before this this final series. This is where that time off probably does help. Mm. Because it gives a give, that that break gives mm. the players time to mentally, physically freshen up for if the series does go into Game Five, which yeah. is now where they sit. So, yeah, I, I think, of course, I want the Kings to win, but I think in regards to the excitement around basketball in this country, th- this is exactly what's needed. I reckon. Ali Mosley from Sky Racing. Good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? Yeah, really well, thanks. And you tipped us Pavitra. I think Dave Stanley was uh, heavily in on Pravitra on Friday as well there at Kembla. Uh, so I guess we can expect a path towards the vinery with her now. Yeah, I would imagine so. I was actually just looking for what she's nommed for. And um, she's got a lot of options, I think. She's such a versatile filly. She'll, be, she'll obviously be better over ground. So I think what she did on the way up and why she probably wasn't too short in the market was just because people were maybe a little bit worried about her being able to be as dynamic over that trip. So I just think she'll get better and better as, as we saw her do last preparation. And I'm just stoked for the boys to have um, the boys. The boys, I can't really call Richard Raven a boy, but, you know, <laughs> the, team, the team to have um, such a good filly on their hands. So she was she was great for us, which is good because how many seconds could we possibly have had on Saturday? <laughs> mm. Well, she's known for the Rose Hill Guineas as well this yeah. week. Yeah. She's in a lot of markets, so yeah. I'd imagine she'll she'll miss the Rose Hill Guineas. But um, I know she's also nommed for even the Doncaster. Yeah. So yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, that's a, obviously maybe short of her, her best, but we, I just think she's so versatile. Queen Elizabeth, um, the Australian Oaks, Queen of the Turf. So 
I think they've got lots of options with her. What about Espiona, Ali? I mean, when she first you know, came onto the scene, we thought, oh, geez, this is going to be a superstar. And then she went off for a little bit, but then she's bounced back and bounced back with a group one. I don't think we can ever forget the master trainer, Chris Waller, and, and what he can do. And I think even in the post race, someone had said to him, oh, was the plan to send her to Melbourne for a tick over? And he almost was offended as if to say, you know, got all the plans set out and I knew exactly what I was doing. And um, I think she was a boom horse. She had such a big boom on her last prep or previous preparations that sometimes when they have that boom and they don't live up to it, it's easy to overlook them later on. So... She always had the ability. It just never probably went right for her. So a really well-deserved win. But I was obviously cheering her and she's a belter who I thought ran an enormous race and covered probably a lot more ground than the others needed to. So hopefully some people back to her each way. Slipper week and uh, the two-year-olds on Saturday. So we saw Shinzo winning the Pango Pango and Coolmore are going to fly out. Ryan Moore for the ride this week and Steel City won the Magic Night uh, so the market has Cylinder, the $4 favourite, heading into the barrier draw tomorrow. Learning to fly at five. Kings Gambit Steel City both at seven. Reb Resistance nine, uh, $9. Shinzo 11 15 and longer the rest. But what do you make of those uh, performances by Steel City and Shinzo on Saturday? And could they win it? Well, Steel City off that win could absolutely absolutely win it. That was enormous. I mean, you only had to see how dominant of a win it was to to not be able to miss her there. I actually would follow August Bloom out of that race. I know that she's not on a slipper path, but um, I'm inclined to think I'm going to stick with Cylinder at the moment, and obviously the barrier draw will, will be a big part of that, but I just think he's the progressive horse in the slipper field. I know we still have these other horses sort of putting their hand up late, and I know Kieran was disappointed. I, I think he also said after the race it was really disappointing what happened in the Blue Diamond. So this was no consolation, but he's obviously had a huge opinion of her, and Last year we saw Kieran as such a dominant, or Kieran and David, such dominant two-year-old trainers with um, Cool and Gadda early on, and they haven't really had a flagship two-year-old, so they're kind of coming to the party late at the moment. So I'm still sticking with Cylinder at this point as we head towards the big one. But out of that race, I'm going to follow August Bloom, who went an absolute slasher. Um, she came third and was well off the pace, which wasn't probably ideal. She ran the best last 600 and 200 of the race, and she's a filly that just keeps on proving. And I'd imagine she'd be hard to beat in a race like the Percy Sykes should she head that way. So I don't know if she's in the market for that, but if anyone would like to have a little look at the futures, that's maybe for the Percy Sykes for August Bloom. Just before we get your horses to follow, I've just seen Ben Mellum has just put an update on Jamie Carr after her fall on Saturday. We know Craig Williams uh, suffered a, a fractured collarbone as well, but uh, Mellum has tweeted a second precautionary scan on Jamie, reiterated the results of the initial scan, in- indicating that there is no swelling, bleeding or fractures. She remains heavily sedated to allow her brain to rest. Doctors will reduce sedation as they see fit. She's in a stable condition. Her family appreciates the love and support during this stressful time. However, their primary focus is on nursing Jamie back to good health. So some progress there, Ali. And, uh, well, with her fall, it gave Dean Holland an opportunity and he won the Group 1 new market on In Secret. Yeah, that was. I think we forget after last weekend, we don't forget, but it's easy to forget that the likes of Jamie Carr, who's absolutely flying at the moment, could still go to the races thinking it's going to be a normal day and that she's on the favourite for the new market and then end up 
you know, having been in, in hospital under sedation for the last three days. So it's it's so terrifying to, to think that still and, 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 you know, even just the fact that she is, I know, it's, I know everything is clear, but, you know, I can't imagine what it would be like for her family having to, to sit there while she is sedated and just not, not fully knowing. I think brain injuries are so terrifying and everyone would feel that across racing and any codes really um so i just send send all my best wishes to her and, and her family and ben mellon as well but it is, it's terrifying isn't it and i think um he summed it up so well after he won he said i'm not going to come out here at yahoo on about how great of a win it was because you know it's it's not my my style and also it's not it just has happened the way it's happened so i'm not going to go on about it but i thought it was you know those opportunities that pop up for those guys who are there they're, they're keeping their weight down they're just chipping away and it just shows you that you never know what's going to happen when you turn up to the races on a Saturday. What are we following out of the weekend? Okay, we're going to follow August Bloom towards hopefully the Percy Sykes, so if anyone wants to put her in the black book. Um, then I'm going to follow Normandy Bridge, who I thought was a bit of a hit and run. He began awkwardly from his wide gate and settled well off the pace, but he ran a really strong best last 200 and importantly he's got a rating as a 92 galloper so the set weight and penalty conditions of the sky high meant he was well and truly out of the handicap so when he strikes more favorable conditions he looks a big improver and maybe we'll get a bit of a price about him which is sort of you know what i'm like i like getting a price about them um and then Brosnan, who I've been following for a little while now, because when I went to track work, I think last year or some sometime, till rolling into one now, um, Gerald said he's the horse that he'd like to follow um, out of all of them. So I think all he needed was a dry track. We were played by wet tracks last prep, and I think he's just starting to put it together now with some really consistent performances. Who was gallant in defeat in the file-up stakes, and he covered more ground than any other in the race, yet still won the second-best last 600 and 200 of the entire event, and I love Glinton Silver. I was so pleased that he ran such a big race. <laughs> yeah, he did, uh, yeah. David, great show at odds. Uh, Ali, mm. looking forward to your slipper mail on Friday. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys.